Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mona, and my co-host, as usual, Aiden. How's it, how's it guys? Um, uh, the, not the best of weeks, but, you know, good to have the football and Arsenal playing twice this week. But, you uh, know, I have a lot that I want to share on my mind, but let's first get to the games. I mean, uh, we made the trip down to the MX to play Brighton. It was quite a cagey affair with, you know, Arsenal playing almost like ultra-cautious after that sort of lesson they were taught at the Etihad the previous week. Uh, you know, while Brighton were again giving a sort of, almost like right in your face type of brand of football, which is not usually this style, but I think with them knowing Arsenal, you know, being such a, almost like a mental dip, I think they really had a right go of it. I think uh, we we came up with quite a attacking strong lineup, which I felt was going to be enough to actually you know overpower Brighton on an attacking front. I mean, you're looking Pepe coming in, Saka, mm. like I said, and Aubameyang. You know, as attackers, those are the four guys you probably would you know think would cause a lot of damage. Yeah, and I mean, look, two games in, and I was really thinking, uh, you know, also would now be. You know, kind of in the swing of things, especially now, since we know, as we said, like previous podcasts, that they also had uh, two warm-up games. But it's, it's almost like this, this uh, they, they have this real problem where they're struggling to get dominance in a game. So it's like you watch them get the, almost like totally swarm the first 10, 15 minutes or even 20 at times. And it's like you, you're trying to wonder where is that foothold or, you know, that, that somebody's going to kind of steady this game for us in, in whether it's midfield. Or the game itself. But if you look at our midfield, we don't really have a, a dominant midfield. I mean, we're missing that enforcer in the midfield. Like, you know, Xhaka kind of brings that presence, but I wouldn't say, you know, Xhaka is the ideal guy to have there. It's more like that Thomas Potter guy, I think, could could be the missing link of what you're looking for. But it just seems Arsenal's missing that that dominance in midfield. Like you mentioned, now, we, we just seem too light. Because, I mean, the, like, the first real opportunity we had in the game was in the 31st minute when, when Saka had, a, like, I mean, a brilliant shot where he cut inside and he had a pop-it goal, which Matthew Ryan made, a I mean, a brilliant save. And then came the 36th minute, which was almost like a dreaded moment for all Arsenal fans because one of our key players in Leno ends up getting kind of barged by Mopai, you know, trying to get him out of the box when he went, you know, aerially to catch the ball. And, of course, he landed awkwardly. His knee buckled. He went down in a heap. And, I mean, I, look, I saw many people's opinions with regards to this. Like, I'm not saying, look, say, someone like Mopai to be sent off. But just think of it like this. I mean, many of you guys that now follow Arsenal also know, I don't know if you guys can think a few years back now, so some years back, when we played Stoke City, I believe, at... at the Emirates, and Matthew Debushi was running for a ball, and he was about to, like, get to it, and Anatovic was not going to get to it, because Debushi was, like, kind of already had the momentum to speed past him, and all Anatovic did was just give him, like, a little shove in the back. He was never going to get to the ball, and then, I mean, Debushi ended up going down the dip there by the Emirates, the running off the, the side of the pitch, his ankle buckled, and I think I don't know if he ended up tearing ligaments in his ankle, and he was like out for almost like half a year, which you know was almost like the, the beginning of the end for him, as, uh, like his Arsenal career. And this is the sort of moments also where it, it, it looks almost like 
was quite innocent, but I mean, you can do serious damage to somebody as well. And I mean, they, we saw uh, Leno's knee ended up bending backwards, buckling back. That didn't look innocent. It seemed like there was not not yeah. to say to in, injure the player, but there was some malice involved. Too much to try to rough Leno up when he did that. So for me, that should have been some sort of punishment mm. for that. I mean, the the game like Leno's been one of our probably best players this season, and you know now he's probably out for what is it four to six weeks? Four to six weeks, yeah. But uh, something also in a way, annoyed me of this was, you had that moment, but, you know, the ref was like, was making more out, like, like Leno was trying to make a meal of it. And I mean, as I said, he ended up doing almost like way more damage than, you know, was expected. But that being said, Arsenal then made the the changes. Uh, Martinez then came in, and I mean, for me, it was almost like he was coming in really from the cold, because I don't even think he had time really to, to warm up at that. And I mean, he was almost like immediately called into action in the game. Uh, like, I felt for the guy, for Martinez, and I know we slated him a lot, but, uh, you know, credit to his due, he came in and had to, had to do a job for, for us. But, you know, going into halftime at no-no, I thought, okay, you know, clean sheet at halftime. With our attacking prowess, with, like, the four I mentioned now, the Pepe, like I said, the bombing and suck. I thought, okay, Arsenal's going to come out all guns blazing. And Arteta may have his, you know, special halftime talks because it seems like the team comes out normally better after the first half. And I mean, as you said, they did come out, you know, really firing. Uh, and I think, you know, what was the 53rd minute when there was some over-eagerness by Aubameyang? I think he just couldn't hold his line. And then he ended up, you know, bagging a goal, but it was a lot off through VAR, and then 68th minute, Pepe then picks up a ball edge of the box and, you know, bends on all the beauty curlers for Arsenal to go one up. He proved me wrong, you know, I've been, I've been one of, like, all the time slating him, you know, saying he wasn't worth 72 million, wasn't worth 72 million, but, you know, if someone can consistently produce that sort of result, you know, I think he will win. More plaudits over. Um, I think he also, his, his stats gives a better reflection actually of his true performance and impacts in a game because he has a few, he does have a few assists and he has bagged a few goals actually for Arsenal this season. Well, I mean, my take was, okay, I know that you're giving like a positive feed, but I think this is where I actually, you know, beg to differ because yes, he, he produced like a wonder goal at that key moment. But if you think of it leading up from, Throughout that first half and and then part of the second half, he was almost like non-existent because he was not really getting himself involved in the game, and I think that's also sometimes the thing that frustrates certain Arsenal fans. Also, of of, of that he ends up kind of isolating himself, not getting involved, and you know it was like the game just uh, ends up uh, passing him by. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's just, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we said we were looking for a player to maybe chip in with 10 goals. And isn't he, is, how much goals does he have this season? I can't, like, give an exact amount. But I think it hasn't been too bad, like, for in terms of coming from midfield. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have, like, also the stats now. Let me just have a look. He's five goals, six assists, and his average rating per game is seven. 
So it's, I guess, you know, if you do count it on stats, it's not too bad. But like, you know, That's, you want a guy to impact, impact the game. You know, it's not, it's not about, if Arsenal had won that game 1-0, you know, maybe we would have been singing like a different tune. Tune, but, but, I mean, I think he's, the midfield and defense is still a bit shaky. And I don't know what Arteta's planning, you know, he's, he's, he seems to enjoy the 4-4-2 formation. I mean, for me, you know, as we now go from whether it's not formation also, but also with the other opponent was setting out the store. Uh, for me, the game changer really came in the 71st minute because Brighton subs came on. And for me, it's like you saw a whole, you know, a different mindset of the players, a, a different mindset, uh, a different a different tactical approach. And I mean, all of a sudden they started, you know, swarming us more. And and it, for me, what what was like the dreaded moment for me was when you hear the commentator go something down the lines of, "They're getting close, they're getting close, they're getting closer," and you know that guy's words went cold, and then we ended up messing up, you know, picking up from a corner. Dunk ends up a poke, uh, you know, somehow squirming the ball over the goal line. The game was tied one-one. Now I'm thinking to myself, if Arteta had look, uh, the moment we were already on the ropes, as I said. From the 71st minute onwards, we were really on the ropes. Those changes brought him like a different Brighton approach. So I think there you should have already thought, okay, look, you're going this way. We're going to have to somehow either switch tactics or switch a sort of formation. But we're also, also bringing a bit of fresh legs in. Because by the time he woke up, we were already getting to a point where we're chasing the game. And now you're bringing these say, certain players that are not real big characters. They, I mean, maybe big names. But they're not really going to, you know, just hit the ground running. And that is what you need when you make the sort of subs like Potter made for, for Brighton. Yeah, it, you could see Arsenal at 1-1 also with a team that weren't going to win the game. It's sad to say that, but at, you know, at 1-1 you're thinking to yourself, you know, Arsenal, can they make a reaction? Can they come out and actually, you know, bag a goal, bag a goal, like, you know, to make it 2-3-1. You know, sometimes teams end off strong, but... Uh-huh. Just watching Arsenal, they seem laboured, they seem tired. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, you know, these guys had a head start, it seems, with playing games. But, you know, they, they, they struggled and, and Brighton started overpowering us. And, you know, the writing seemed on the wall, as you would say. And then, I mean, look, 90 minutes plus five, the uh, Maupai then ends up, you know, stabbing over the winner. And, you know, the lead-up was really infuriating because <laughs> you actually see... Holding and Mustafi, you know, it was like man-marking Mopai, and I forgot another second guys that it was playing alongside him. The minute that ball gets threaded through, the two attacking players switch positions, which of course, just that moment, and that is where we were talking about the other time about the like our defenders in general. They don't have that sort of alertness where they think, look, <laughs> they're switching, let's we switch out the guys we're marking so we go, or, or you, you typically you do that old-fashioned man marking where you're literally sticking to the guy like glue. But I mean, Mopai was uh, being marked by Rob Holding. He changes lanes with his, par- uh, changes with his partner. Mustafi doesn't know whether he should, he should stick or twist. Holding is standing like frozen. He's not knowing what's going on. And I mean, in that moment, Mopai arcs his run. And, uh, you know, at the minute he arcs his run and he was already going one-on-one with Martin, uh, it's not like you just saw that ball being just chipped over. And, and I mean, he really did think that ball over Martin as to go 2-1 up. Yeah, from there, there was just no coming back. And I also was 
quite furious at that point. I was thinking, really? You no, know, we mentioned, you know, we would like four out of six points against, or even three out of six points with Man City and Brighton. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what, what also annoyed the hell out of me was, at full time, the Arsenal players start surrounding Mopai, and I'm thinking to myself, you want to show this sort of fight now? Why didn't you show it on the pitch? Like leading through that second half, second half, especially when we were starting to get our, our asses handed to us. Why didn't you show the fight there? Now you want to come? I was like, off, Bobby, bully the guy here. It was needless the way, I mean, everything the way it played out at the end. That's a typical Arsenal these days, eh? They want to show this kind of violence in the final whistle. It's, you know, not violence, but like when they keep it the big deals, but. When it mattered on the field, it, we were we were nowhere to be found. And you know, after that game, I I didn't know whether I was angry or just like utterly disappointed at Arsenal. Now we've come back from you know looking at the other teams, and you know before we opened the Southampton game, you know just watching Liverpool when they played um, or the Crystal Palace, you just saw a team that's a cut above the rest, and then you saw Chelsea and Man City play and. You you know, I'll hop on it after the Southampton game, how I feel like what happened to the club, but that game was also of high tempo, high quality between the two teams, but it just seems Arsenal is, is, is far from that. Yeah. So we should attention now to the game of, that was yesterday at the Southampton. You know, after two disappointing results since the recent hours, you know, for once, very nervous going to this game. because I, mean, I can much- say the same. As much as I was trying to keep a strong face or be positive, I was just thinking, here we go again. Because it's normally games like this where, you know, Danny Ings is going to become messy overnight. And the goalkeeper, McCarthy, would normally probably be like uh, a Buffon in his prime. Because normally we pep- in these sort of games, it's like, you know, we're peppering the goal and just nothing is going our way. And then and you wonder the next week when they, they say ship three or four goals and you think, why wouldn't we facing this sort of side? But that being said, Xhaka then returned to the squad. Guendouzi was booted out of the squad because this is now something that also leading to a, you know, almost like a talking point within this uh, summary of the game. Uh, Guendouzi has been quite a headache for Arteta and I think the coaching staff. And from there's some stories that came out uh, sometime late last week of Another thing, it's almost like every time it's an, uh, just another nail in his coffin at, at Arsenal because uh, from what the, the sources were now pushing out was Arteta was explaining something to the team in the, you know, that tactical room where they do that, you know, they discuss the stuff. And every time Arteta would, be, uh, you know, uh, turn his back to the team to, you know, jot down stuff on the board, Quindouzi would be goofing around, you know, like some of the jokers that you would have in, in high school. He'd be, you know, trying to be like the class jester. And I think that is where Arteta's also losing because also with, with regards to the Brighton game, the remark that he made to Mopai about earning more than him, I mean, even some Arsenal, ex-Arsenal players also saying, why are you getting yourself involved and also bringing up the money thing, the money factoring to things. Did he say that? I didn't... Yes, he told Mopai about earn more than you in a week or something like that. Oh my goodness, this shows this money goes to this guy's head at such a young age, eh? Yeah, but, but you know, it's a, he, he, don't get me wrong, you know you know yourself, I like him as a player. He's been one of my favourites since he was brought into the club. 
But you know what? Where it's been waning was when I saw last season, or not last season, sorry, in, in preseason, when Emery was trying to you know get this team kind of focused, and he's goofing around during training and and trying to you know it was like trying to piggyback on people and and trying to get other people to join him with the jokes and things like that. That is where I kind of started losing a bit of respect for him. And also, we, he started becoming, you know, up there with not of my favorite players, really. Because you really want somebody to, to you know, give his heart and soul to the team. And if you see somebody taking the piss every time, then, I mean, then you're not supposed to be there. Then you'd rather go apply your trade somewhere else and you see if you're going to get away with what you're trying to do there. But you also have to, you know, look at the other senior guys in the Arsenal team. You know, why aren't they pulling him aside and giving him a talking to? I mean, I'm sure this wouldn't have been allowed few seasons back. Or... I mean, Jamie Orr, he said the other day in one of the radio interviews, we said there's no leaders in the Arsenal team. And that's why something like this, as you just said now, could have been nipped in the butt immediately. Yeah, it, it, it could have. And it, it seems like... The likes of Aubameyang and, you know, don't know disrespect to them. Yeah. They are actually the ones that, you know, also maybe encourage it. You know, they are laughing along and going on with him. Yeah. When instead it should, should be like, you know, call him aside since, you know, he respects Aubameyang and, and, and like I said, you know, call him aside. You know, there's time and a place for these type of things. And it seems to have kind of, I think, stalled his career to an extent because he came like a house on fire. He impressed everybody, but it just seems like, you know, he's taking five steps back now from the progress he made. Yeah, I agree. Because, I, I, you know, everybody was even talking about him, you know, getting a call up to the senior friend side, uh, you know, being almost like the linchpin in the Arsenal midfield. And I mean, the more you watch him now play, and as you said about that, the, the strong tipping form, he's not like contributing... Uh, going forward, he's normally running himself into, you know, little blind alleys and, and little traps that teams set out for him. Because he's actually becomes, when, I don't know if you've picked up also when, when we play teams, he's the one that they normally try to isolate with the ball because they know he's not going to immediately give it off. He tries to, almost like, run himself. You know, the way we know Vieira is to, with that loading yeah. strides, get through people and skip over. Now, I think... At times, Guidosi tries to do that, but I mean, he's not, he doesn't have it for Zeke to do that. He needs to sort of do a lot of hard work to get to that sort of level. But I think that's where he really falls short and he gets exposed. But, uh, you know, back to the game now. Um, you know, Saints came, of course, out immediately, full on attack. Arsenal, of course, still in dozy mode. <laughs> I think it was what first minute already, they had already a crack at our goal. Yeah. Uh, it really made me uh, quite nervous already at that point. <laughs> Thinking, oh, no, we're going to be in for a long day today. But, you know, thankfully, yeah, it was the eighth minute where Arsenal, of course, had in a gold cancel out of Nketiah because Saka, I think, was about a few feet off. Then, of course, Arsenal are starting to, you know, kind of get the, uh, the foot into the game because Aubameyang, they made a... Uh, I first thought it was just a straight-up uh, miss where we, Aubameyang cracked the the crossbar, but when the, the different angle showed, it was actually a brilliant save by yeah. the keeper because I think it was like fingerprints. Yeah, onto the bar. But that being said, with a squad of you know the Saints now playing, I don't know if you noticed they were playing a very high, high press, almost like very compact game in the yeah. first 
15, 20 minutes. And, I, you know, I was sitting with my daughter and I was just telling her, I can actually see Southampton burning themselves out in this first 20 minutes. I mean, because the minute they, the, the, the temperature gauge also showed before kickoff, 30 Celsius. And, I mean, these guys, look, Arsenal have played now a bit more than them. And I, I don't think Southampton had that many, you know, warm-up games. But you could see after the 20th minute, Saints all, all of a sudden started sitting deep. They weren't that adventurous. And then it's almost like Arsenal now started smelling blood. And, you know, that breakthrough then eventually did come when almost like somewhat a touch against the runoff play because, of course, with the Saints more trying to dribble the ball in the own half to knock it about, uh, the goalkeeper, McCarthy, then tries to take on Kete with it. I don't know if he first tried to sidestep or do something. But then by the time he realized he's not going to fool Kete and Kete and just stuck out of foot, he cracks the ball against Kete's foot and the ball uh, you know, starts bouncing goalwards. And in that in a, in a two-headed race, Kete was going to be the only winner there and he puts it in 1-0 Arsenal. I, I can tell you I was a bit nervous that, that they might not put the ball in the net still before. <laughs> I only celebrated once the ball went in. When you think of that miss that he had, what was it, two minutes later? Yeah. Where he could have just either rolled, even rolled it across the, the, the pitch. Obama was racing in, would have oh. egged into an internet, and he just totally skewed that ball. I, just, <laughs> I first thought it was a, a under pressure save or a brilliant block. And when I saw he just literally shanked the ball to the corner. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I think oh, that would have been such a, you know, nailing the coffin so early on again. But, you know, as chances like that that we've been missing that has cost us points this season where we allow a team still to get back into the game. For me, at that point, you know, you kill the game off 2-0, you know. So they have already knackered. But you kind of give them a second win when you do things like that. Yeah, it is true because, look, 24th minute, I believe it was... After, you know that time after we went up Southampton, they immediately did get a, a pop-up goal from outside the box by Ward Prowse, which, I mean, I think it was a standard save for Martinez. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the, the as the second half and war on, it, <clears throat> excuse me, and also when I'm not, you know, trying to get that, that uh, second goal, the more it started looking like the, the Saints were now coming back into this game and they were, they were then looking quite strong going into that latter part of the second half. Yeah, they, they, they were, and they were looking like an equaliser was waiting to happen since we've been known, actually, for giving away points from winning positions this season. We've given so many points away. I think it was 10 points we've dropped from winning positions. And then, of course, like 64th minute, that was when Arteta now started, you know, making his changes, not waiting like he was in the previous game, because 64th minute, Warlock then came on for Pepe. I mean, personally, that was, for me, a very toothless display by him. Um, Colasinas came on for Tierney and I think Tierney kind of played himself into the ground with the yeah. game that it was and I mean especially in that heat as well um, then uh, Lacazette came on from Nketiah I mean it, it was you know a good shift for the youngster I mean he made himself really a nuisance because he was almost like forcing uh, you know the goal defence and, and even the goalkeeper every time to clear the ball at times even to kick the ball into touch just to you know uh, for emergency sake and then Another point that I also wanted to bring up was we've now had there's now you know going to our third, that was our third game and still no Ozil in the squad I mean on the on the bench yes but not even getting a a cameo role. 
Yeah, I wonder what's happening with, I know you mentioned him, but luck has it as well. You know, not starting as much games as we would have thought. Like, since we restarted, and like you said, Ozil, you know, he's just sitting there with his umbrella. It's <laughs> his only feature thus far. And then I know 80th minute, Maitland Nilesen came on for Sebeos. I don't know, what was your take of Sebeos, Sebeos in the game? What was the, your judgment of his performance? No, I, I think he, he he's keeping it more simple, but he's getting the, the ball ticking. Like he's, he's, he's not like, you know, doing those flashes of brilliance, but I think it's working for him. He's, he's kind of like an unsung hero in my eyes. Almost like, you know, you don't take much note of him, but he's doing the basics, right? Something that, you know, maybe, maybe him and Xhaka have a good understanding with each other. Mm. And then 84th minute, I thought like a you know a real bad back pass by Hoiberg, you know puts the whole defense of of Southampton on the heels. Aubameyang speeds off, and in that moment of kind of madness, Jack Stevens tries that last ditch attempt to get to the ball, and he ends up tripping Aubameyang. A red card for the Southampton centre back. It seems like two goals at Arsenal would have um not two goals two two decisions Arsenal would have um. Dan, you know the, the that goal that they conceded the first goal of Hampton, yeah. and um, that back pass is like, are oh, you Arsenal in disguise? <laughs> so I mean, a minute later, Lacazette it and cracks the ball into the wall. The ball kind of rebounds out. He fires it in back in. McCarthy and some parries the ball, and you know he kind of spills it into a danger area, and Wallach pounces in. Two 0 Arsenal game set and match. Oh, this is such a relief to finally, you know, have some points on the board after such a uh, a tired time. But like, you know, you're looking at Arsenal at the moment. You know, before we made um, onto our FA Cup tie, but you're looking at Arsenal at the moment, and you ask yourself, how have they fallen behind so much? Like, you you have to think it's the the board that you know you have to play when the um, your technical staff who's doing the, the the behind the scenes buying of players and you know scouting because look at Chelsea look how almost you know everyone's like tipping Chelsea coming in with Frank Lampard as their coach not able to sign players you look at them they look very dangerous for next season already I mean you you get Pulisic they they're getting that um, Moroccan from Ajax as well and there's I think Timo Werner is also gonna come in for them so. It, it seems like Chelsea's already preparing for next season and could be very dangerous. And, you know, Liverpool will be Liverpool. United look like they're going to be coming up as well. And you look at Arsenal, you know, where are we? I mean, you know, ninth in the Premier League. And, you know, we have fallen behind so badly, it's it's quite scary. Yeah, because I, I still think... Look, I know I've been hopping on this a lot in podcasts since we're not doing it together. But I just think... Look, uh, the Kronkers have, they, they got almost like the final decision to make. You know, do they actually give up on this whole thing of owning a club in England and sell it to somebody that will probably make us probably competitive again? Or do they think, okay, look, we're going to rather get in somebody, you know, almost like a sort of director of football that shows wherever he goes, he kind of brings, you know, almost like a magic wand with, and, you know, just everything he touches just turns to gold because... At the moment, the, play, the, the, the man that I've seen that, that, that has done this sort of job was Ralph Rangnick, where he was at Schalke, did a, he, you know, his business there. Um, he then got taken by Red Bull Leipzig when they were still, I think, I don't know if it was second or third division in Germany. And, you know, he somehow masterminded their way with that, you know, financial backing from Red Bull. 
and in the Bundesliga and became like a, a regular Champions League side. And now he was then taken away from them, I think, last season sometime, or last year. And now he's at Inter Milan. Oh, and they're looking, they're looking slowly but surely getting there with, 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 with the guys that they're bringing in. But you also, like, you know, ask yourself, look at Wolves with their coach as well. They sixth place, same point as Man United, and they are very much in the running for, for top four. And I think we must come up against Wolves. They will put us to the sword, especially as we're going to go play them at the Molyneux. Yeah, they've got everything to, you know, they've got a, a, a owner that, that fully backs them to the deal. They've got, you know, a coach that, that everybody kind of scoffs at. And he's a decent uh, coach. And I mean, the sort of players that he brings in, of course, he's made Wolves a more Portuguese-flavoured uh, team. But I mean, these guys play with grit, desire. And I mean, you, you blend that with the British uh, mentality and that, that that's also based in that team. It makes a fantastic combination. Yeah, and you can see it. They they look being very dangerous. And, you know, I would never say this, but I envy Wolves at the moment. Like, you know, the, the guys have some decent players. And you wonder why Arsenal aren't, you know, putting their feelers out there. Now, no disrespect to Wolves, but if Arsenal Football Club come knocking at your door, you know, your your eyes might light up a bit. Because I, I still think if the right appointments are made, if because I still think we need to almost like distance ourselves from suddenly just... Yeah, somebody because look, he's had it. Look, fine, we've given him a crack at it for a couple of years now. But when you start seeing certain things, like like now, Sven Muslantat did a, done an article uh, a few days ago where he actually stated why he left. Because uh, Muslantat was saying, also need to kind of trim the, the scouting uh, groups on it. The smaller the scouting group is, the better you can go with, you know, get that, that fine-tune it with, with the talent. Mm. And and uh, Salni, he just wanted to go bigger, constantly bigger, bigger, bigger. And that is when he lost his school. And, and Muslim Tat was also saying, like, that taking in Dennis Suarez, which was, that was actually the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back for him. And that's why he wanted to leave, because it's not like he went totally over his head to, to force this sort of deal. And it petered out to nothing. Yeah, it was absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't recall Dennis Suarez doing much, but of course, running into blind alleys, you know, every time he he had a game. So, yeah, it's, it's just sad that we're falling so far behind. And, you know, we could, you know, I'm looking at the table now. we like so close to Palace, Burnley, Everton, Newcastle, you know, even Southampton. We, we, we're not far off from... Like, you know, midday, like bottom of the um, table status at the moment. And our, our football doesn't seem to be attractive even. I mean, yeah. like my girlfriend was watching the game games with me and she actually was disappointed in how Arsenal are playing relative to how like the Chelsea and Man City are playing fast, attractive football. And now it's like, you know, someone that doesn't really watch football seeing that even she says that Arsenal is not playing as attractive football. So, you know, I hope there's a change can happen soon. You know, watching also yesterday's game when, um, I think the latter parts of the second half we, when we were playing the, uh, the Saints, I was really thinking, you know, when the ball was falling, say, to Xhaka, I thought, like, you know, <laughs> to take that ball and carry it. And when I watched him run, it was like he was carrying a bat. <laughs> it was like he can't take off. And I'm thinking, 
Where's that drive? You know that type sort of engine. Even if you're uh, uh, holding mid or whatever, but you need to have some sort of speed to drive through and call. You know, you literally carving that whole route for your team. Yeah, we we're missing that that person that almost like opens like Red Sea basically, so that you know you can. <laughs> so that's that's, and because for me it's like watching somebody run uphill in sand or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's struggling and struggling. And then you get like look that's another one problem. And then you look at let's say somebody like like say at, when Gudozi was Gudozi was playing the other day, he'll take the ball and he'll run like in little circles. And I'm thinking, <laughs> dude, you need to lay off or make a decision or hit the ball forward. And then when he when he looks up again, he's like surrounded by three players. And <laughs> then he's sort of like he just without a fight, he gives up the ball. Right. Quite shocking, and you know now we have a tough tie against Sheffield United. We also haven't had uh, the best of returns um, from lockdown, just like Arsenal. But you know, where do you see us going with this game? You know, is Arsenal going to go all out for this, or are they going to? I mean, it's a quarter final. Yes, yeah. it's 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 very close to Wembley again. I mean, I don't know if they will play at Wembley the semi final, but. It's going to be a strange fe- feeling if we get there and no fans, but you yeah. know, it's 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 really close to, um, like, it's a tough game. Bramall Lane, not the easiest of places to go to. I mean, when I just think of, of for me, the, the league campaign is dead and buried. I mean, yeah. I know yeah. some fans, or I mean, even I was keeping some sort of flicker of hope. You know, there's just some way we can eke ourselves, but I just think we, we've, we, you know, that hope was like one of the worst things for Arsenal. <laughs> you can't still. Like you, you, like you're telling yourself, okay, this time I'm going to come right this time. And then you look and you think, they're not even putting up a performance. So why <laughs> should we, you know, even still be rooting for you? But that being said, uh, I mean, I, I would actually put, you know, everything. Like, look, you're the betting guy of the two of us. I would actually put all the chips on the FA Cup route for Arsenal because... I just don't know. Look, you don't know the, the the mindset of you know the teams that are still in in uh, in the FA Cup. So if if it's not like for us, where we can maybe you know give our all and play our best in that thing, maybe that is like a route to the Europa League again. Because I honestly don't see that route for that for for the, the Premier League. But that uh, what I also want to mention was I just wonder if it isn't also a good thing if we just totally out of everything Europe and maybe just you know you let Arteta now get with the players that he needs and you kind of start from scratch because I don't know if you it's something you mentioned a few weeks back where you said also it was a time when, when Man United almost like they were qualifying for nothing or not you know, United I think you said Chelsea I think yeah and they all like they took you could actually see that the whole planning process that took place to build themselves up again because look they knew they were a giant that got Knocked down, but they needed to get up again, and I think that is where we still on our knees. We just can't get up yet. <laughs> yeah, we we heavily on our knees, and you know, looking at this FA Cup teams that's left, it's gonna be a, a a tough road if we want to win it. I mean, Norwich and United, United still in, um, you know, Chelsea and Leicester battle it out, and then you have Man City will probably you know be upset that they threw the the league title away. So they'll probably try to fight for this trophy. So for Arsenal, it's it's going to be a tough journey. But if they can pull it out of the hat, you know, maybe, just maybe, you know, you get lucky and you get uh, uh, something upset happen and you get the Norwich in the semi-final. You know, it's, uh, or, you know, you don't know the FA Cup, but 
you could maybe end up playing Chelsea in the final. And, you know, not saying that Chelsea is going to be an easy game, but uh, for me, I don't want to play Mad City in the final. Uh, I mean, they are all like watching, uh, you know, a doctor being <laughs> everything. When they when you come up against them, everything is clean cut. They destroy you. They take out whatever they need to take out. That's it. That's, I mean, they actually scared. And yet, when you watch them play, and as that we you know mentioned, I don't want to play City where you end up you know having that fear. When you watch them play United and you watch them play uh, like look at last night with Chelsea, that teams give them a good rollicking. And then I'm thinking in terms of yeah, we it just shows you how as you said how we've dropped in standard where we almost like fearing them at all costs now when we play them. Yeah, that mindset needs to change. I mean, you see now, uh, oh, Liverpool also under Jurgen Klopp and like. You, we mentioned that how did Arsenal lose out? You know, the, there was a possibility of getting Jurgen Klopp and, you know, a possibility of getting Pep Guardiola, but we stuck with with, with Arsene Wenger. But look at those two clubs. I mean, KCT City were on the up, but Liverpool were always a side that we, you know, used to maybe make fun of and joke around with. But look at them now. And we haven't beaten, maybe I'm wrong, but we haven't beaten Liverpool since they've been under Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. What was it? One when we beat him four one at the Emirates. Was that was Rogers. That was Rogers. That was the 2014-15 season, like latter part of the season, 2015. That just shows so, you how predictable we've become. I mean, we thought that was predictable the way Wenger used to set up the store, but it's like every like most of the teams, <coughs> excuse me, that are above us, they've normally had that knack of you know just breaking us apart at at will. Yeah, it's, it's it's quite frightening. Just hope you know we can get the game. I know we said to be long term, but like game by game, let's hope we can get to the FA Cup semi final and you know, take it from there. Yeah. So I'll end off the podcast now. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the football. It's going to be a lot of, you know, especially with other leagues also coming in. You have the FA Cup, Bundesliga, you know, wrapping up as well, and Serie A and and, and La Liga's in full swing. So I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend, guys. Bye. Have a good one, guys. Enjoy.